0: Yo, this is Steve Bloom, the voice of Zeb in Star Wars Rebels, and you are listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera.
1: Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber.
2: You are listening to Episode Thirty Two of Star Wars Bookworms, your source for discussion and reviews of the new Star Wars releases from Dark Horse Comics, DK Publishing, Del Rey Books, Disney Publishing, and soon to be Marvel Comics. I'm your host Teresa Delgado. And I'm joined here by my co-host and president of Star Wars Bookworms, Aaron Goins.
0: Don't put that on me. Oh, I am not why not? The, I'm not the president of anything. But I am here, and we are also joined by a, a friend of ours who has been on the show before and is actually one of my personal favorite guests that we've had. And
1: Aww.
0: It, from Blog Full of Words and Den of Geek, Megan.
3: Thank you. Also known as the anonymous coyote laughing in the background.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, and that would be for anybody who uses um, Google Docs. If you're not logged in, you get, like, a random animal assigned. Today, Megan is the anonymous coyote. Yes.
0: (laughs) But it's awesome to have you here, Megan. Today, on this episode, we're going to be reviewing uh, Legacy Wanted Anya Solo, the comic volume, and we're also going to be reviewing Rebels Ezra's Gamble. Um, And I think you're just sticking around with us for the comic reviews, right? Right, Megan?
3: Yes. I did not read Ezra's Gamble, so I'll be... um jumping out for the last
0: half. It's actually such a short book that you could probably read it now <laughs> and by the time we get to the review at the end you could probably join us.
3: If it if it appeared in front of me, probably If it appeared could. in front
0: of you. Yeah, yeah, that might be tough. I don't think they have the the junior novels in digital form, do they?
2: Yes, they do. Oh, they do. Yeah, hmm. you could e-book it.
0: Oh, I did not know that. How much do those go for?
2: I think it was like 5.99.
0: Interesting. I'll have to keep that in mind because I drove all the way to my local bookstore, which I hardly ever do because I almost get everything digital, and I didn't know it was available digitally. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made that drive.
2: That just makes me sad. Everything that you just said (laughs) makes me sad. I had to drive to my local bookstore (laughs) so that I could get a book. Instead of just getting it digitally, which I would really prefer. Bad. it's That's horrible. I
0: love digital because it's convenient and I can fit everything. You read
2: it on your phone.
0: On my phone or on my iPad. I read all my comics on my iPad and I read all my books on my phone. That's but so weird. It's not weird. See, it's, it's called I'm, progress.
3: I'm old-fashioned and tend to read things in paper form, both because I don't have an e-reader and because I like to be able to go in and browse and find unexpected things. But I know that that's because I'm behind the curve.
2: No, see, I have an e-reader, and I use it for some things, but I like the kinesthetic feel of an actual book and the smell of paper and being able to see the ink printed on a page like a normal Mm. person.
0: (laughs) I don't disagree with you, Teresa, because I actually enjoy those things as well, but the convenience factor has, has, has kind of overridden that for me lately. I do have quite a collection of books, and I still have a ton of Star Wars books on my shelf, and I have a lot of original comics, so I haven't like burnt them or sold them or anything like that. I just have, as I get new stuff, I, te- I tend to go digital first. But I did, like, I part I did actually... Part of that like could them.
2: be because you have kids, and you have kids at a very young age that would take all of your stuff and just like toss it all over the place.
0: Yes, case in point, my copy of Ezra's Gamble already has teeth marks on it, and my son... Was caught earlier today um, putting it in his mouth and biting it. So, yeah.
3: Uh, um. So Ezra's gamble is available on Kindle for five seventy nine if you want to yeah, read I it. Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> or new and used from a dollar ninety five. Although I'm not sure how that works. That's it, what it says on Amazon.
0: It will it will actually be available soon on eBay for a with bite marks included.
2: You are not no. gonna do that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so we've we have gone on quite a rabbit trail here. But
2: <laughs> already. But let's hop back on track.
0: Why let's talk about wait? our book club a little bit, Teresa. So okay. our September book club, uh we actually reviewed A New Dawn and uh or we read a new dawn and um
2: I was the, like we reviewed it. How do we review it? We haven't reviewed we it yet. It.
0: That's coming next next episode of Star Wars Bookworms, so stay tuned. But yeah, we, we we read it in the book club had a ton of people join us and kind of the special thing that happened this past month is we actually had john jackson miller join us as well Um, so he joined our book club over at goodreads he got in there got in on the discussion people were asking him questions he was answering he was very involved so we really appreciate him doing that with us and it was a really awesome month for the book club
2: it really really was and you know the funny thing is like we're a book podcast and we're one of the only podcasts I know that did not interview John Jackson Miller this month <laughs> when this book came out. Instead, we had him in our book club. Nice. <laughs> so um, I just think that's funny. but hopefully we'll get to interview him again at some point in time, but um, you know,
0: yeah, we, we interviewed just had to him
2: take some time off. <laughs>
0: We interviewed him, actually, one of our first interviews, and um, that was before Kenobi. Even, even Kenobi came out. It was before he could really even say much about Kenobi at that time, but um, yeah, so we, we would love to have him on again, and maybe we'll wait a little while since he's been on so many shows recently, but we can have him on and talk about um, A New Dawn and maybe get into the details of the story since it will have already been released. So,
2: Well, and we'll get into this later, but we'll get to talk to him probably at New York Comic-Con.
0: This is true. We could do a live on-site interview with him. That would be cool.
2: Fancy, fancy. So for October, I think we're taking the month off. It's going to be a really busy month for us because we have New York Comic Con going on. I have to take a trip back to Texas um, and then Halloween. And, you know, Halloween comes before everything. (laughs) Um, So it's going to be a busy month. So we're probably going to be taking October off, but then we'll be back for November. That's the month right after October, right? Yes.
0: Right. And you're, and for the book club specifically, not yep. for bookworms, but
2: yeah, just the book club.
0: And we'll we will open up discussion on what book we will be reading for November, um, which I don't know. Maybe we could. I mean, we just a new, do. We could just do Tarkin.
2: Yeah, we can just do Tarkin. We'll just start gone.
0: doing all the new ones now. It seemed to win over. It seemed to go over well with a new dawn. So maybe we will do Tarkin, but we will. Uh, we'll talk about it.
2: Discuss. Discuss. Democracy. President Aaron.
3: you're gonna be president whether you like
2: it or not (laughs) well we have some emails and i have said before that if you send us an email it'll get read on the show and so staying true to my promise um i'm gonna start off with this first one and megan feel free to chime in on the emails as well um first one says hi I would be curious to hear both of your opinions on the way women in Star Wars are presented, and while I could spend time explaining this, I'll try to keep it as condensed as I can. Quite a few prominent female roles in Star Wars, Ahsoka, Ayla Secura, and Leia, seem to all be dressed at one time or another in what seems to be as little as their audience will permit, while the men are dressed in very modest clothes. I ask, do you think there is a significant problem that there is worth bringing up, or something that is really not a problem? Thanks. Did we say her name was Lini? Lini?
0: I, I've been pronouncing it Lini. Okay. But she well, can she can correct us in her next email. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, for me personally, I don't think there's a problem. I've never had a problem with the way Ahsoka was dressed ever. Mainly because in her first outfit, she had on like a high-waisted skirt. So even though there was midriff, there wasn't showing like her belly button or anything like that. Um. I think Leia's slave Leia costume was for storytelling purposes, um, and Ala Secura. I she's one of my favorite Jedi ever, and I think her her costume is just amazing. So, I personally have never had a problem with it, and I think people. That's always going to be something you're going to see in fandom, whether it's Star Wars, you know, Marvel, whatever, Disney, Doctor Who, anything that has girls in it. So everything. Um, you're always going to have people who, who, you know, do fan art or do whatever and, you know, do the sexy stuff. Megan, do you have another girl opinion?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I, um... I'll try to keep my opinion condensed, too. But I do think that it's a problem. I think that it, it's really hard to go into motivation. It's really hard to say that this is why a creator did something. But I think that it's a prime example of, of the male gaze. You know, that phrase that gets tossed around a lot. Um, that it's the characters are designed for the for guys to look at. And as much as you can rationale it with, oh, the costume is designed to be... Um, like uh, stealthy or it's designed to be, um, secretive or something. It's, um, it's still really media uses that for sex appeal. And I am uncomfortable with that, especially because of how, um, how it's done more to women than to men. Um, I think that if I'm good with, uh, equality, whether that means everybody's dressed, more fully or if that means that we get more fan service from the guys i'm okay either way but the um the double standard kind of i do think is an issue and it's like you said something that just happens in fandom but i i think that it should happen less because it's not a great um a great example
2: and Aaron, dude
0: opinion Dude opinion. <laughs> Nobody cares about my opinion on this. No. Uh,
2: yes we do. Yes we do.
3: Um
0: yeah, I don't know. I've never seen Star Wars as being too guilty of it. I know it's definitely something you see in Hollywood using women as a kind of objectifying them and making it so I don't know. It's it's it it's definitely a touchy subject and I I tend to kind of stay out of it because you know, you say one thing and it can definitely be taken one way or taken the wrong way. But I think Star Wars is not as guilty of it as other <clears throat> franchises are. I don't see like the examples that she made here with Ahsoka. I never really saw Ahsoka that way. I never really thought that they were, you know, dressing her inappropriately. Ayla Sakura, maybe a little bit, but I mean, she's, she's barely in the films as is. And she was in the Clone Wars some, but you know, I don't see it as being a huge issue in Star Wars per, per se. I, I think other franchises would be more guilty of it for sure.
2: Well, and I think we can take a look at Star Wars Rebels as kind of an example of maybe moving forward because Sabine and Hera are both, you know, fully clothed. Um, they do have, you know, maybe more form-fitting costumes on, but I wouldn't. I haven't heard anybody complain yet that they're being objectified. No, yeah, um, I think uh, I
3: like those costumes a lot.
2: Yeah, so I mean, you know, maybe we're taking steps in the right direction, and then when Episode 7 comes out, we'll see, I guess. I don't know. Um, Do you want to read this
0: one? Sure. Okay. All right, so our next email is from Brian Bortree from, he says, from Central PA, and it says, hello, I heard Teresa on one of the Clone Wars Rebels podcasts and started listening. Went back and picked up some of your prior shows also. I enjoy reading the novels, and... Are the novels that are movie tie ins or give background stories, i.e., concurrent or prior to the movies? I also wish I could talk to someone who knows the finer points of the plot and revealed backstories. And now I found your show. Just finished reading Kenobi and actually, and actually a young reader's scholastic version of the PT. I guess next is a new dawn since you're going to be reviewing it soon. Looking forward to hearing your analysis. So,
2: well, yay, Brian, for thanks, a new listener. Brian. Woohoo!
0: And he like gave he us taught- a compliment there. He said that we uh, we know the intricacies of of these books. So that's yeah. that's nice.
2: I think that's you. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's talking about you. Um, well, yeah, I'm glad I, he heard me. He probably heard me on We Talk Clones, um, which is now the Ion Cannon podcast. Um, oh, is that what it is? Yep, because they're going to be doing Rebel stuff and they've changed to the Ion Cannon podcast. But um Yeah, I'm just glad we have new listeners. That's nice to hear. So, hi, Brian. Okay, and our last email is from um, Adam. I don't know how to say your last name, Adam. Mersevier.
0: Mersevier? Mersevier.
2: Or something like that. <laughs> and we we totally butchered your last name. Oh, I'm sure time. we did. I'm so sorry. Um, he says, hey, Aaron and Teresa. I just wanted to say I love this podcast. I've been a huge fan of Star Wars since my dad introduced me to it in 2005. Around that time, I also began reading every book with Star Wars written on it that I could find, starting with Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy. Oh, look, he's ahead of me. <laughs> 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 You know what? I'm just never going to read it, Aaron, so that I can continue saying that forever.
0: Just on principle.
2: (laughs) Yeah. At first, I was shocked learning that the expanded universe I had grown to love was removed from canon and placed under Legends. But I have come to accept that fact after realizing that the stories still exist, even if just in my own mind and the minds of other fans who have read them. And of course, I am excited that new novels and comics are popping up in the new canon. I do have a question for you. There are five new novels announced in the new canon. A New Dawn, which has been recently released. Out of the four remaining books, Tarkin, Heir to the Jedi, Lords of the Sith, and Dark Disciple, which one are you most looking forward to and why? I know I am looking forward to Dark Disciple, though that's mostly because I love the Clone Wars era and the character of Asajj Ventress in general. Happy reading, and may the Force be with you, sincerely. Adam, not going to say our last name again and make it really bad. Um... I'm going to let you guys go.
0: <laughs> Which one are <laughs> the you the most excited for, Megan?
2: Um, I'm prepared with an
3: answer to this. <laughs> um, I, I'm really looking forward to Air to the Jedi, um, just because I like Luke and seeing him in a novel again. And, you know, not as an um, ensemble character, but as the Luke from the original trilogy will be cool. Um and I'm looking forward to Dark Disciple. I hope I really like Ventress. So, um I hope that they write her in a way that I like like just her her character is, is important to me. Um so I'm a little uh, either I'm hoping that it it is what I want it to be, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I like Quentin too. So
0: I'm looking I know forward
1: to
0: <laughs> I think I'm yeah. mostly looking forward to Dark Disciple. Um, which is a title that was recently revealed. We didn't know what the title was going to be, and that was recently revealed just, I think, like last week, which I think it's a pretty cool title. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Kind of like you were saying, you hope they get Asajj Ventress right in the novel. I really hope they get Quinlan Voss right, and in my mind, getting him right is not the Clone Wars version of him, but more the, the Republic Comics version of him. Yeah. So or I hope they kind of blend the two a little bit, you know, To stick with canon, obviously, Clone Wars is canon, and the Republic comics are not. So, you know, but I I would like to see some of the traits that they established about him in the comics kind of blend in with the his characterization in the novel. So we'll see. But they did release like all that Clone Wars material lately, like um, you know the concept art and stuff from that you know that story arc that is now being adapted into a novel,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and it did look. You know, it looked like um, they had a darker version of Quinlan Voss and even in the the notes on the, on the art, it said, like, you know, darker Quinlan Voss. So I don't know if just his outfit was darker, or they're trying to say the character himself may be darker, so we'll see. Uh,
3: partially because I know that you like him, and partially because I've read, not read all the comics with him, but I've read some of them. I'm going to be looking out for that, too, for how they if um they strike a balance between the two versions so i'm right there with you
0: yeah and we actually talked to Christy Golden a little bit when we were at Dragon Con and she kind of indicated that they were going to be definitely using all the elements of Quillen Voss or i guess she didn't necessarily say it that way so maybe i'm i'm i don't want to misquote her but basically she was saying she they're going to did say t- it
2: like that at all
0: <laughs> You you weren't there when i was talking to her Teresa. But
2: he told me about it.
0: No, she basically was saying they're going to take everything into consideration, That's including including his non-clone war stuff. So, but they're That's still precious. they're still so early on in the process that they're just they're still just basically writing the outline, is what she said. Yeah. So they haven't really written anything yet. What about you, Teresa? You have to at least have one that you're excited about.
2: I guess it would be Dark Disciple first, um, just because I'm more attached to those characters than anything else. Um, But if I was picking one from the original books that were released, that were announced, I know A New Dawn was the one I was looking forward to the most and that came out and I read it already and I'm not saying anything. Um, Lords of the Sith, I guess.
0: Lords of the Sith.
2: Because I'm going to entertain my dark side.
0: Yes. I'm excited about that one as well. It's a Paul Kemp novel, which Mm -hmm. I I think he's one of those authors that's kind of um, polarizing. There's a lot of fans that, don't like his stuff and there's a lot of fans that love his stuff. I'm I tend to be one that likes his stuff, so I'm I'm interested to see what he's going to do with Vader and Palpatine.
2: Mhm. So, let's see. Well, we'd kind of talked about our first news topic, which was the title of the new Asajj Ventress Quinlan Voss novel. That would be Dark Disciple, in case nobody was listening to the last couple minutes. Um
0: which it was and- kind of funny how that got released because they, they released all the Clone Wars information and they had the different videos talking about the different story arcs and things like that. Um, and in the video, they actually called the novel Dark Disciple before it had ever been officially announced that that was the title. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. I, I was wondering if that was kind of accidental that they didn't necessarily want to announce it yet because then the very next day, uh, Delray's Facebook page officially announced it. But if anyone was paying attention, it had already been announced the day before.
2: I have not looked at any of that Clone War stuff. So. Really? Mm-mm.
0: I still have only barely watched just part of one of the,
2: uh, the
0: unfinished episodes. But yeah, I, I look forward to having the time to sit down and watch it all.
2: I, well, let's I, talk about that for a minute. Megan, have you watched and looked at all that stuff? Yeah, i watched all of them.
3: Um, I liked them. I was live blogging them a little. You can find some stuff on Twitter. But I tried not to say too much in case people didn't want to be spoiled or – you know, not spoiled for anything huge, but just didn't really want to know. Um, in short, I thought they were good. Um, I think Clone Wars totally saved the best for last. Like, the Lost missions were good, and the unfinished episodes were good. Um,
2: yeah. I don't know. For me, I uh, Clone Wars is pretty much over in my mind. And so anything that they're releasing right now, like, I kind of wish they would just do like, a book similar to the, you know, making of books for the films and just do, like, a making of Clone Wars and similar to what they did with making of Return of the Jedi, if you got the ebook version or the iPad version or whatever, you got the videos and you got audio clips and you got things like that. Like, I just kind of would prefer that it was done that way Um, because I've had to let Clone Wars go and I've... I've so moved on from Clone Wars that I'm well, like, knee-deep in Rebels. So it's kind of like going backwards for me where I just kind of wish that they would just do, like, something big, like the making-of book, you know? I think
3: that that would make sense. I think a making-of book would be good. But I also think, and this is entirely speculation, but there are so many people who want Clone Wars to come back and all these petitions and things. And I think that... Disney Lucasfilm knows that and they're giving us more than we would have gotten if people hadn't made so much noise um I don't know if that's true but the other thing I see and this is really a tangent is people who um say like we don't want rebels we want clone wars and I to me the um release of the unfinished episodes was like Lucasfilm was saying here we're gonna try to give you both which was nice not like I'm not a huge Clone Wars fan. I, I, I know a lot about it, but I'm ready to move on. Um, whereas for me, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like Christmas morning. But for some people, I think it might have been.
2: Oh, definitely. I just, um, I think we might come from a different breed of fan as well, though, because we do a lot in the media realm and things like that. So we kind of have to go ahead and say, all right, end of that chapter we're ready to move on because we're covering it you know that's a good point so it's we kind of have a little bit of a different viewpoint i think than just like the average fan
3: yeah Um, it's we don't almost have the luxury of sticking with one thing that's interesting
2: right Aaron, are you there
0: yeah i'm here i was just listening to what you guys are saying i i mean i kind of agree with with what Megan was saying. I think Lucasfilm was aware of the the demand and I think this was just kind of their way of, you know, throwing those fans a bone and saying, "Hey, you know, we hear you. Here's what we have." But I think they wanted I think the timing was important because they wanted to get it out there before Rebels hit. So now it's like, "Okay, here you go. Here's your your Clone Wars stuff. This is all we're going to give you. We already gave you season 6 on Netflix. Now we've given you this unfinished stuff. This is all we have." And now start focusing on Rebels. So,
2: well, and I think they were kind of rushed to do it too because I think they wanted to get it out before Rebels. And then um, the release date for Rebels on the Watch Disney XD app was actually moved up. So they were kind of crunched for time and just had to toss it out there um, and sort of a whirlwind. Maybe. So,
0: yeah. Who I, knows? Yeah. Who knows what the. But I'm I'm assuming this is it. I don't think there's any more. I mean, they might have more stuff that they're holding on to. I'm sure there's plenty of material there that we'll probably never see. And maybe we'll see some more of these unfinished stories, you know, turned into comics or novels eventually. But I think for now, you know, we can expect that this is the last we're going to hear about Clone Wars for quite a while.
2: Until the making of book. Until, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not letting that go. Okay, so moving forward, um, there is something coming up in like, what it guys, is it like seven days now? Mm-hmm. Eight days? Something like that? Yeah. Does anybody have a countdown?
0: I think it's um, going to be something like eight days.
2: Something like eight, eight days. days. On,
3: yeah, it's a week until Wednesday and then the con starts on Thursday the 9th. It is
2: seven days, 10 hours and 54 minutes away, you guys. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I had to open up my countdown <laughs> app. And that would be... New York Comic Con Um, all three of us are going to be there so Star Wars Bookworms and Anonymous Coyotes will be there in force Um, (laughs) there is some panels going on there's the Star Wars related panels which of course is what we care about. Obviously there are other things we're going to see, but there's a panel with Kieran Gillen who is doing the new Marvel Star Wars comics. He has a panel on Friday evening at 6:15. Um not kind of not really a guarantee they're going to talk about Star Wars. I'm assuming they will, but just kind of cool that he has a panel all for himself. And then on Saturday at 3.15 p.m., and these are all Eastern time, by the way, um, there's the New Dawn panel, which is going to be focusing on the future of Star Wars publishing, and Vanessa Marshall will be a part of that panel, as will Eris Schoeneweiss from um, Del Rey, Um, and I think Pablo Hidalgo is going to be there as well. I'm not 100% sure on that, Um, so if he's not, he's not, but... Um, So far, those are the only two we know. There was, at one point on the schedule, a Star Wars Rebels panel. That has since been removed from the schedule on the New York Comic Con app and online. However, we did hear in tweets from Tracy Canobio that there will be a Star Wars Rebels panel. We don't know what time. We don't know what day. We don't know what it's going to be about. We don't know who's going to be on it. We know nothing. But that there will be one. So I guess just be watching Megan, Aaron, and my Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah, we yes. will be there. Whenever they announce it, or when we find out when it is, we'll definitely be there. And I think, I think we're planning on going to the New Dawn panel and the the Karen Gillan panel as well, right, Teresa?
2: Um, it's on my calendar. I mean, I know we'll for sure be at the New Dawn panel.
0: Yeah, so we'll be live tweeting as much as we can from the con uh we'll you know specifically about the literature stuff but even just all the other cool things that are going on because it is it's kind of the it's like the san diego comic-con of the east i guess you could say so new york comic-con is a pretty big event and a lot of uh a lot of the big franchises like to represent there so we'll be seeing all kinds of good stuff
2: we're gonna be around and i think are we gonna have buttons erin
0: yeah, we uh, we're gonna have uh, Star Wars bookworms buttons. So if you see us there, don't be shy. Come up, talk to us. Because this will uh, be the
2: first edition buttons we've ever done. So if you get one, it's like limited.
0: It's limited edition. Uh, one of fifty. I only ordered I fifty, so.
2: One? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll save even you one. sign yeah. it. Yeah. We'll <laughs> sign them for
3: you. <laughs> cool. I'm gonna get um, the behind the scenes look at the pins.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, and then. Aaron, we're also going to be over at a booth. Do you want to talk about that for a minute?
0: Yeah, we will be working a booth uh, for Acid Free Gallery, which is uh, a company that I. The reason why I get to go to New York Comic Con is I get to work this booth the entire weekend, and um, he basically does like fine art prints for uh, Hasbro, and he's this year he's going to be doing uh, Transformers prints, Voltron. Uh, I believe there's going to be some... Can
2: I say? Can I say? Can I say?
0: G.I. Joe and...
2: My Little Pony! (laughs) Ooh, I didn't know that. So excited!
3: And
0: yep, some My Little Pony stuff as well. And uh, it's all officially licensed stuff. uh, Limited edition prints. So they're really awesome. I've been working with him for the past couple years up at New York Comic Con. And everything that he brings just looks great. So I definitely recommend if you're a fan of any of those franchises. Unfortunately, he doesn't do Star Wars stuff yet. But he is actually working on getting that license. But um, if you're a fan of Transformers, GI Joe, My Little Pony, Voltron, um, you know, definitely stop by his booth. Uh, Acid Free Gallery is the name of it, and um, you know, check out his his work.
2: So, is there anything you guys are excited for for New York Comic Con? Yes, um, and you cannot say seeing all your friends.
3: Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. I'm excited for that. (laughs) Um, I am excited for the Star Wars stuff, of course. Um, I plan on hanging around the Del Rey booth and uh, Her Universe a little bit. Last year, I didn't hang around Del Rey enough. I got to talk to Erish and uh, Frank Parisi for a while and then said, oh, I'll see you at your booth tomorrow, and then never did that. So (laughs) I'm going to make up for that this year. Um, And then I'm looking forward to The Legend of Korra Avatar stuff because there's a panel on thursday that i may or may not be able to go to about the new season of legend of korra and an avatar one on sunday with the top voice
1: actor which i'm excited for
0: i kind of agree with megan on almost everything she said i'm really looking forward to the delray booth uh that's one of the more fun areas of the con to hang out in and if you know if you know Arish, which we do, he kind of you know he'll let you in kind of behind the booth and talk to the authors and you know so hopefully we'll get to to do that this year and then um yeah just all the other stuff that's going on with the different franchises but you know I, I agree with Megan I'm I'm a big fan of both Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra so I I might tag along with you to a couple of those panels Megan oh, if cool. you're if you're going but
1: yeah
0: yeah so um yeah and just the con in general it's just such a cool like it's a big big convention experience that you don't get at most conventions you know I go to you know Philly Comic Con every year you know I hit Dragon Con the last couple years but this is a much bigger media type event and although I wouldn't want every convention to be like this it is cool to go to these kind of conventions every once in a while so just the spectacle of it all um, yeah I'm just looking forward to that part of it
2: um, will you guys have fun at Avatar and Legend of Korra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go hang out in Artist Alley because there are My Little Pony comic book artists that are there. And I am starting my comic sketchbook at New York Comic Con. So I'm going to be trying to get Katie Cook and Amy Memberson and Tom Zoller and a bunch of people from IDW and stuff like that in my sketchbook. Nice. So I... super excited.
3: I always wanted a sketch from Katie Cook, but her line is always super long.
2: Well, I will be there on Thursday. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's where I'm going 1st be like, can you do this, please? Um, but uh, I got some really good tips from Amy Ratcliffe for my sketchbooks, so I'm really excited about it. Um, other than that, I'm just kind of excited to experience New York Comic Con and sort of walk around and just see what there is and go to different panels and stuff like that. But uh, I don't have quite the same interest you guys do, so I maybe be doing some solo wandering then. <laughs>
0: well, we're not going to be at Legend of Korra all day. No. It's just one Never panel. Never know.
2: <laughs> we're going to wander around the
3: Avengers room and stuff. Artist Alley, Like I bought some, some Star Wars fan art there last year and just... Uh, That's always fun so I'll be doing that too a little bit may or may not stand in the line with you though (laughs) (laughs)
2: all right well let's go ahead and get into this stuff so really quick our spoiler policy we typically wait at least a month after release date to review a book or a comic so if we're reviewing it it's definitely been out for at least a month so you can expect full spoilers um so our first one is the comic volume for this episode, Legacy, Wanted, Anya Solo. Its original release date was August 13th of 2014. The writers are Karina Bechko, Gabriel Hardman, artist Gabriel Hardman, and the timeline is 139 years after the Battle of Yavin. And the publisher's summary is, Anya Solo is charged with the murder of an Imperial knight. Now she's a wanted criminal, and even her pals, how do we say that? Is it sou- sock? sock. sock. <laughs> Socks. Socks. Um, <laughs> Socks. And Imperial Knight Joe Assam are wary. Before Anya can explain, their ship is compromised, the friends are separated, and Anya is captured by one bounty hunter while another is in pursuit. So I'm just going to go ahead and up front and say that this comic volume is five issues. I read the first one, and then I took a nap. Um <laughs> <laughs> but um, just I've had a lot of stuff to do and I've been really exhausted from work, so I didn't get through them. But Megan is here to pick up the slack. Okay, so let's just start with initial thoughts. Aaron,
0: um, I mean this series I've liked from the beginning. So this is book three of volume two, which gets kind of confusing how they they title everything. But yes, it does. <laughs> but yeah, so the first one I really liked a lot. The second book um, not as much, but still enjoyed it. And this one I really really liked. So yeah, I'm on board with this series. I'm sad. This is one of the ones I'm sad about because I know with Marvel kind of taking over, um, that that this will probably end. And we won't really be hearing from Anya Solo anymore. So that that's kind of sad. But yeah, this initial thoughts was it, it continued to impress me.
3: Those are pretty much the same as my initial thoughts. Actually, I had positive feelings toward this series um, throughout. And picking up this one, it uh, I really liked what they did with the bounty hunter. I really liked individual moments in this comic as well as just sort of the general um, flow of it. And uh, I, in general, I was very pleased.
2: So, like, I really enjoyed the first volume. And the second volume was kind of eh. Um, I do want to read this one, especially after reading Aaron's Talking Points. And there's two specific names that show up in here that I'm like, hmm. So I definitely want to go and read it. I just, I'm just tired. (laughs) I do.
3: um, I also fell off a little bit in volume, uh, on book two, but I do think it's worth pushing through to get to book three.
0: Kind of the main overall plot point of this, this storyline is Anya Solo is wanted for killing an Imperial Knight, which is an interesting, you know, idea Um, and then we find out like there's this, this bounty hunter that's after her, which I thought was a kind of a cool design that they used for this bounty hunter. But I don't know, Megan, what, how did you feel about kind of the way they were going with this story with, um, you know, the idea that maybe Anya Solo has this dark past that we're not aware of?
3: Um, I, I was pretty interested. It didn't seem... As soon as we knew that she wasn't a Luke Skywalker character where she had just been on one planet her whole life and had a boring life, I figured she was going to be a Han Solo character and had some kind of dark backstory. What that story was and how they were going to deal with it, um, I was interested to see how it connected to previous Star Wars stories. Um, It's I'm gonna jump ahead to the end of the comic. But the way they talk about her what her crime was is was a little brief. So I think that we're not done with that. I think we're gonna learn more about that.
0: Yeah, it, I agree. there's there's definitely there's still some mystery out there with her past. and even just what her connection to the solo family is, I believe, is still a mystery. Um, unless I missed something in one of the other comics. Isn't that still kind of a mystery, exactly how she's related to them?
3: Yeah, yeah, it still is. The I mean, the most obvious connection is just the hologram that um, AG-37 has of Han and Chewie. But other than that, and the fact that I think it's the Empress knows something about Anya, that's all we know so far.
0: Yeah, and you kind of mentioned that the what I, I was referring to as their quick cameo, but they did have... They have a scene where basically they want um, to go back into Anya Solo's past to figure out what did actually happen. And if she committed this crime and uh, AG-37, who um, is an awesome droid, he's like my favorite droid ever. <laughs> but um, they go into his memory banks and he's able to show um, a hologram. But he goes and you see this image of Han and Chewie, which was kind of cool. But they were basically, he's basically like, oh no, it went back too far. So yeah, there's there is some kind of indication there at least that uh at least there's some connection to han with her Mm -hmm.
3: and um now we're really i mean this is end of comic territory but throughout the whole thing they are uh jao was worried about whether she killed an imperial knight um turns out that she didn't but she did kill someone so i thought it was interesting that um the not that they're saying that the value of an imperial knight is more than someone else, but that she she sort of did commit the crime that they think she did, and uh, I think that's going to be um, we're going to dig into that some more.
0: Yeah, so another big plot point in this storyline is you know Anya Solo meeting up with this guy Ramid, um, who apparently was a former flame of hers. Um, I actually found kind of the the scene where they introduce him I found it kind of interesting um, it kind of took me by surprise I, I mean I had I had seen the cover of the comic and I knew that she was going to kiss somebody but when I when they first introduced him he looked to me like he was much older than her mm-hmm. and so when then all of a sudden they just kissed and I was like whoa like <laughs> who's this old guy that she's kissing so, Because I've always kind of seen her as like a teenager in my mind. And I don't know what her official age yeah. is. But when she's kissing like a bearded man, it just seemed weird to me. But I guess maybe he's like a hipster young guy <laughs> and he just likes to grow the beard out. But So I'm I, assuming um, they're closer in age than they appear. But it, it did kind of take me by surprise.
3: The, the more... I read this twice. And the more I read it, the more I liked that relationship. I'm typically not really into um romantic relationships i just i don't really care but these two had a lot more going on which i'll i'll talk about later but um at her age i always thought that she was like early 20s i am usually pretty uh on a hair trigger in terms of i don't like when characters look too young if they're not supposed to be but um i thought that she looked like she was in her early 20s um, the kiss was funny to me, though, because it was so abrupt. It was like there was no lead up to it. It was just so sudden. Um,
0: and it wasn't like it, it didn't even fit really with how they interacted afterwards. Because as soon as she sees him, they kiss. Where you are like, oh, wow, that's like it must be a very passionate romantic relationship that they have. That that's how they would greet each other, basically. But then after that, it's kind of they're very disconnected from each other. And it doesn't seem like they're very romantic at all after that. Yeah. So it was kind of like it didn't really fit. It, yeah, it was a little forced.
3: Part of me, again, thinks that it's – the word that's coming to mind is clickbait, and that's not the correct word. Clickbait. It's You know, <laughs> it draws your eyes like it's um, a dramatic scene, and they intended it just to be dramatic and to get people to go, oh, what's happening here? But um, the other part of me that when I read it the second time, I thought was um, if she's been away from him for really long, and they had this brief – strong relationship she's probably been thinking about him and all that years leading up to that moment and once that moment's done they can you know form this new much less uh, touchy-feely relationship but maybe the kiss was just sort of the culmination of something and then they went back to a more normal uh standard relationship when the whole kidnapping thing started
0: Oh, but yeah, it, it made for a good it made for a good cover. You know, they have the cover of I believe it was the second issue, or no, it was the cover of the first issue, wasn't it?
3: Um, maybe, and that's Where, the thing. I didn't like that cover because I was like, oh, this is such a it's designed to get people to go, ooh, there's a love story in this one. I didn't like that they used it as the cover. But they were that. trying
0: to. It, it looked like they were very much trying to emulate the the kiss between Han and Leia.
3: Yes. So definitely. It, it was like an
0: identical, you know, scene there. Although it doesn't necessarily match with the way it happened in the comic. Um, yeah, the cover was the cover was eye catching. So I think yeah. that's probably what they were going for.
3: Yeah. And for what it's worth, for it was one of the rare times that I actually felt the cover the the kiss was kind of justified. So
0: for what yeah. that's worth. But one of my favorite things about the storyline was the planet that they had to, that they ended up on. Um, was just how harsh the planet was and the idea that that whatever is happening in the atmosphere and the elements that are there that when it rains it actually rains glass. Yeah, which was something that it's like okay, that probably could never happen you know in <laughs> any situation, but it was kind of a cool sci-fi element and unique. I, I don't remember ever coming across you know a story where there was glass raining from the sky. Mm. So I thought that was a cool. A cool uh, idea.
3: I I thought about it for a minute. Like, maybe lightning is striking heavy mineral particles in the atmosphere or something. And then I went, nah, it doesn't matter. It makes for a really cool scene with AG 37. So I'm just going to go with it.
0: Yeah, it was. um, Yeah, it definitely. The planet seemed very like a place you just would not want to be. Like, it, it was very intimidating. And yeah, the part where it just starts raining glass and they all have to kind of hide but then AG37 because he's a droid, he can go, you know, walk out into the he can continue to stay out in the elements. But um it was kind of interesting that although it didn't look like the glass was doing any damage to him, um somehow his jacket was able to to withstand the glass, which I think it probably would have been torn to bits, but
3: <laughs> I uh, I'm I want to flip to that scene because I don't remember it super well, but I remember that it was dark, and this art tends to be a little muddy, intentionally muddy, but a little. So I, my thought was maybe it was like it was ripped, but you couldn't really tell because the scene itself was. Dark.
0: I looked at it very closely on, and I like ah. I said, I, I read these digitally, so it's on my iPad, so it's actually backlit, and okay. it it's very clear that his jacket has has no damage to it. Oh.
1: So. <laughs> well
3: then.
0: So I, yeah, I found that interesting, but obviously later on when he he ends up being in the acid rain. So this planet not only has glass rain, but it also has acid rain
1: And that
3: giant
0: happens spiders. later on. So he wasn't as able to withstand that, but but yeah, the the glass didn't seem to be affecting his jacket. But, yeah, um,
2: well, Aaron, you're just ruining the illusion for people who aren't reading it digitally. <laughs> oh, way to go.
3: This is a this is a point for digital though you can see things more clearly
0: and you can zoom in on stuff and take screenshots and crop them and
3: true. live
0: tweet while you're reading comics
3: which you but, did do the other which day. which i do i can still i i can still do the live tweet thing but the do you details just take a thing, picture you do
0: you take a picture with your phone
3: i have done i did with um <laughs> son of dathomir i think
0: that's actually one of my favorite things about reading digitally is the fact that i can grab an image out of the comic anytime I want um and post it seamlessly and it's like you know hd quality when I post it so but yeah back to the story but yeah (laughs) but um what did you think about I'm just gonna
2: take all the chances I have to turn you off turn you guys off to rabbit trails so you're just continue here to derail when us. I, yep. When I hear <laughs> another good one, I will try. So that
3: is the opposite of moderating.
2: <laughs> I'm a, I'm using my powers of Sithness. You're such a trickster.
3: She's you're the, the, anti- you're the anonymous
2: moderator. coyote today.
0: <laughs> but so what did you think about the, uh, the bounty hunter, Megan? The, uh, I
3: thought her costume was really cool. Um, I'm, a big Halo fan. And like we were talking about earlier, I'm a Destiny fan. And so I'm used to characters wearing helmets. So when I looked at when I saw her, it was like this moment of familiarity, like, Oh, cool. I can't see your eyes. I'm used to that. (laughs) Um, but I thought the pipes on the side of her head were really cool. And I love the light whip. I love the light whip when um, Kit Fisto used it in the Sestus Deception. So I'm always glad when I see more of that.
0: Yeah, I thought the I agree. The character looked really cool. Actually, that was one of the things I tweeted out when I was reading it last night because I thought the character looked really cool. And I thought people should cosplay as her but
2: Ooh.
0: that would be and a tough. And you
2: got told no.
0: I know. <laughs> Bria, well, way from... to go, Bria. Bria from Tashi Station. I-, I tweeted at her that she should try to cosplay, and she was like, "Nope, the helmet's too hard." Uh. So... But yeah, the helmet would be tough. But maybe a helmetless version. But I think the the main elements of it that looked really cool to me were the the uh, the light whip, which I actually believe was an electro whip, not necessarily a light whip. Otherwise, oh. it would have been cutting people's heads off.
3: My mistake.
0: But um, <laughs> but then it also was just pretty. Yeah, it, I like that it was yellow. I, I've always liked um, yellow as a color for like lightsabers and things like that. And then uh, just the she's carrying a blaster in one hand, light whip or a you know a electro whip in the other, with that cool helmet. Yeah, it was very cool design. Um, didn't necessarily like the character that much, but the the design of her outfit was really good.
3: I uh I did like her backstory. What didn't you like about her character?
0: Um, I just didn't. She just seemed to be bad all around. There was no like there was no motivation on her end that was anything that I could get behind where I could hmm. see okay, I see what she's doing here, like she was just a bad person
2: and I yeah. typically
0: don't like bad guys. Uh, the the bad guys I tend to enjoy are bad guys that have some sort of motivation I can understand and she just seemed to just be a bad person. So hmm.
3: That's that's interesting she
0: stole someone's identity and you know and then you know she was trying to cut off anya solo's hand and yeah Yeah. it was just she was a messed up she was a messed up person (laughs) yeah
2: does that make her a bad person
0: she killed the twilight pilot
2: i'm just saying i mean does it make her a bad person would you consider all people who do bad things to be bad people
0: no i would not Okay, but this, this person, point this made, person was a bad person.
2: My point was just made. <laughs> all right, continue.
0: <laughs> but it was cool. She was flying a like a Thai bomber,
2: yeah, which was pretty
0: awesome. She had a TIE sweet, bomber. she had her sweet ship. She had her sweet outfit. Just her personality wasn't that great, you know.
3: I um, I do, in a way, agree. She didn't have a ton of personality in the beginning, what she was saying all she would say was, "Where is Anya Solo?" It reminded me so much of um. Uh, Bucky Barnes from Captain America, it's just, like, charging toward the good guys, not saying much, um, and, uh, but the thing that I liked about her was that I thought her motive was unique, not on an emotional level, necessarily, she was just kind of mean and cowardly which we can really get into whether cowardice makes you a bad person that might be interesting um but uh I liked I thought it was unique that she had stolen um Anya's identity and was trying to clean up her tracks like it wasn't a big motive it wasn't noble it wasn't like I believe in something therefore I'm fighting it was I'm I made a mistake kind of and now I'm trying to clean it up and you just happen to be in my way. I thought that was pretty unique.
0: Yeah. I see what you're saying. But um the part where they're in the the kind of the the one station that's on the planet and it's a it seems like it's abandoned but then Anya ends up finding like this closet full of dead bodies. I was a little yeah. bit confused about that part. Like were we meant to believe that that they had been killed before and have just been in this closet, or did the bounty hunter actually kill them and stuff I them in the closet? I was
3: initially under the impress under the impression that the bounty hunter killed them and stuffed them in the closet. But after you mentioned that, I realized that I'm not sure the timing works out. Like, how long did it take her to do that? And Yeah, because there was a lot them of people. Like, yeah. yeah,
0: it was very yeah. violent, and yeah, it just seemed. It didn't seem like it would be in character for her to be that much of a like cold-blooded killer, but maybe. But if that's what they were trying to make us believe, then I like her even less.
3: It, it was a little unclear in terms of the, the narrative.
0: Yeah, like where did those dead people come from? Yeah. Or how did they die? But yeah, so that was that was interesting, a little unclear there. But um, there was one scene in there, Teresa, are you still with us?
1: can I help uh, you. I'm <laughs> just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was one scene in the in this comic that actually made me think of the movie Frozen.
2: Oh, which really then obviously now? made
0: me made it think made me think of you. But this might be the part where you have to sing. Remember, you have to sing.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, we should probably tell people what that's about.
0: So basically, uh, we had this thing on Twitter. We were getting close to 1,500 followers, and Teresa volunteered that if some <laughs> if if we get to 1500 followers that she would sing a song on the next episode so oh, so this is the part this is the part that so ag who is an awesome droid he he ends up saving anya because she gets stuck out in the acid rain and so he picks her up and he's carrying her to safety and he has this acid that's fallen all over him and it made me think of the scene from frozen where olaf is like some people are worth melting for because, because <laughs> he was basically melting in the rain, and it made me think of that. So, so Teresa, are you gonna sing for us or what?
2: I can, but that doesn't tell me what I'm singing because he doesn't Frozen. sing in that
0: scene. Yeah, but you can either you can sing uh you can sing in summer or you could sing. Do you want to build a snowman? You get to pick.
2: There's no music.
0: <laughs> just do just do like one home, line
2: maybe. I'll, I don't mind doing it, but I mean, you have to pick a song. I said you had to pick a song. All right, ready. Okay. What am I? What? what? Elsa. <laughs> Do you wanna build a snowman? I don't remember the rest of the words. There you go.
0: That's singing. Good job. <laughs> that counts. <laughs> you, Good
2: job. Or ride our bikes around the hall. Oh, see.
0: Now you're into it. Keep going.
2: <laughs> well, I know that's not what she says yeah. in the first line, though, right? <laughs> you she
0: would says, know better. She says, "Do than you, you wanna
2: build a snowman?" Oh. Come on, let's go and play. I never see you anymore. Come out the door. It's like you've gone away. There you go.
0: We used to be best buddies.
2: But now we're not. Anybody? I, no? okay. I, could... I wish you would tell me why.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: Yay. Good job, Jason.
0: You fulfilled your promise.
2: I did. And now everybody is going to be like, how do I turn this off? if you want to hear more singing about disney go check out disney vault talk okay plug done
0: but yeah so ag I i just love that droid what do you think about ag megan
3: i i don't love him as much as you do but that doesn't mean that i dislike him i um droid characters are not typically my favorite but i think that he's he's neat he's very much um he makes everything feel like a Western because he's got like his tattered cape and he just seems like a cowboy droid to me.
2: Um, I, I you know what? I'm just before I forget, sorry. I think the reason Aaron likes him so much is because he has the same initials. <laughs>
3: oh, that's right. I remember you guys talking about that.
0: We've already well. established that that's part of it, but I do really like him as a character. I just like how, like, loyal he is and how he's willing to basically sacrifice himself this isn't the first time that he sacrificed himself to save her and you know to have that type of trait in a droid you know you don't even typically see that in humans but you know i just i like that about his character i like characters that are willing to to give of themselves for the betterment of others
3: i thought that the scene in the rain was really cool yeah because he just like strides through the rain like it's no problem (laughs)
0: Yeah, he's cool. But yeah, so the the bounty hunter girl ends up, you know, she ends up facing off with um, Jo, kind of ending up on the bad end of that. But then she ends up having a pretty gruesome death herself. So if she ended up, if she's the one that killed all those people and stuffed them in the closet, then she kind of got what was coming to her because... They have a scene where she's facing off against Anya, and then Anya uses her basically her remote control for the the uh, tie bomber and uh, kind of like hits her like with a bus kind of thing.
3: Yeah, like squishes her.
0: Yeah, that was, was kind of gross.
3: They, it's not like they zoomed in on it or anything. Although I don't know, maybe you did on your digital version, <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't, I didn't think that they. Um, made it violent in a gratuitous way, but it was definitely unexpected.
0: Yeah, but I liked it. I thought that was a cool, because it's, you see that used a lot in film and movies where you have the unexpected, you know, person getting hit by a car or something like that, and it's shocking. But to be able to duplicate that in the, in a comic book medium where it's still images and actually have it be effective, that was pretty impressive.
3: Yeah. And I like that they, um, they planted the seeds for that early on when you see her use the... the I just keep thinking of it as a remote control, the, the remote for the TIE fighter. Um, I thought it was planted in a subtle way where you see that, okay, this is um, what this character does, but it's not like a big red flag that says foreshadowing on it. Right. So um, one part and I wanted to talk about this, but now I'm jumping back to the beginning, and forgive me if I'm being too tangential, but um, the one part where I felt that they did that um, planting something early and it didn't work was the very first issue where she, Anya, um, bets her comlink on basically a rodeo and loses her comlink, which is why they can't find her later. And I just thought that whole interlude was weird. That. Yeah. Did you think so?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It was it was poorly executed. I and thought
3: that it was the rodeo aspect was going to be more important, and it turned out the comlink aspect was important.
0: Yeah, it seemed like it was that whole scene was just put in there just to establish that she lost her comlink.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it, yeah, I don't know. I I kind of agree with you. I feel like they could have done that a little bit better and not made it so heavy handed.
3: Yeah, and I guess it also it was in character for her. It showed how kind of um, how she thinks on her feet and just jumps into stuff like Sok says, but it was it was kind of odd.
0: Yeah, but yeah. So the way that the the comic kind of ends, we have um, they end up taking Anya to Coruscant because Zhao was a deserter um, of the of the Imperial Knights, and he actually goes to the trial and kind of provides the, you know, is he the one that ended up providing the evidence? Yeah, of the hand? he looked okay. it up
3: in the archives.
0: Right, so, yeah, so he's the one that shows up with the hand, though, right, to prove that the hand needed to control the whip? Yes. Okay, so, yeah, so because he went there to save her, he ended up getting, you know, basically put in prison himself and is going to be put to death because the penalty for, for deserting the Imperial Knights apparently is to be put to death. But um, it ends up, because he's in prison, uh, we get a pretty interesting scene at the very end where the the big bad that didn't show up at all in this comic, um, Darth Red, shows up and, uh, you know, basically is breaking him out.
3: Yeah. And I, I don't know if I missed something in book two, but my first thought was, where did you come from, Darth Red? Like, how did he get in there? Am I forgetting something from book two?
0: No, I don't think that. I think we're meant to think he's, you know, he's just that good.
1: Yeah.
3: You know,
0: that he can kind of get wherever he wants to go. And it, it worked for me. Um, I thought it was kind of, because it was unexpected.
3: It was and a so... good, a good cliffhanger ending.
0: Yeah, and the, even the artwork, just in that in that scene where he's he's kind of there and he's got his hand out with the lightsaber in, it and he says, "Now you have a way out." Um, yeah. And you know, Jo's kind of his whole thing is that he's had this vision, you know, that they need to get they they need to kill Darth Red, and now all of a sudden Darth Red is helping him, you know, to escape. So it'll be interesting to see how that you know goes into the next part of the story and if Darth Red is kind of trying to turn him you know, to be maybe his apprentice or something like that. So, yeah, uh, I liked but... it. I liked the ending and um, that was a good, a nice little cliffhanger, like you said.
3: Yeah. I um I liked the Imperial Knights in this book in general a lot. Um, there were a couple moments where I went, oh, that's designed to look like the Jedi temple from the prequels and to get the people to like the Jedi and the prequels to like it. But it worked because I liked it. Um and I really like the empress in this in this um book as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Imperial Knights have always been uh one of my favorite parts of the Legacy comics. Um and I don't necessarily like them all. I don't like Draco that much. His character kind of bothers me, but you know, there's other Imperial Knights that I think are are really cool.
3: Yeah. So. I wonder about Draco, but the part where the empress was like um, I have to uphold these values just as much as you do. Was um, sort of frightening and intense, and I like that about it.
0: It was a little dramatic though when she when she drew her lightsaber on the guy and put it up to his neck. I was like, I don't know, that's a little,
3: uh-uh. a
0: little unsafe.
3: <laughs> I thought it was so cool. Oh, okay. Maybe I just like was drawn into it. Maybe it is over dramatic, but I thought it was so cool because I didn't expect that to happen.
0: All right, well, let's kind of wrap this up unless you had yeah. anything else specific that you wanted to talk about.
1: Nope, that's it.
0: So overall, um, you know, what were your feelings on this specific, uh, this specific volume?
3: Um, really positive except for the rodeo at the beginning. I think if I'd been reading them in individual um, volumes and I would only picked up volume one, I would be a little bit like, where is this going? But really, I thought it was very good
0: yep I agree with you like this one a lot better than the last one for this I'm looking forward to seeing how this all wraps up and hopefully they give us some sort of closure because I believe the last or the next um volume is the last of the the Anya solo stories so Mm -hmm. really sad to see this series ending um hopefully they give us a little bit of closure and maybe who knows maybe someday Marvel will pick up some of these characters but We'll see. We shall see. But thanks, Megan, for, for joining us for our comic review. Uh, it was awesome having you on again.
3: You're welcome. I, I always enjoy it.
0: So before you go, do you have anything that you want to plug? Do you have anything that you're working on blog-wise or anything else that you want to tell our listeners about?
3: Um, I've been doing quite a lot for Den of Geek Um. I will probably have some more articles up about the Clone Wars for them. We haven't put that 100% in stone, but that's likely. Um, and then Comic-Con, we'll see what happens during that.
0: Awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing you up at New York in yeah. just a little bit over a week. And um, thanks again for coming on.
3: Hey. Yeah, you're welcome. I look forward to hanging out with you next week.
0: All right. See ya.
2: All right. Bye. Okay, so next up on our list is Ezra's Gamble. Um, This book, it's a junior novel. It was actually released on August 5th of 2014, and the writer is Ryder Wyndham. So the publisher's summary is as follows. Fourteen-year-old Ezra Bridger lives alone on the Outer Rim planet of Lothal. He fends for himself by picking up odd jobs and hustling the unsuspecting stormtrooper. But when... Arena day arrives—an underground tournament where mighty beasts battle to the finish, and all the swindler, sw- oh wow, hard word, swindlers, gamblers, and no-gooders come from all corners of the planet to make a profit. Ezra is whisked into an unlikely partnership with the fearsome bounty hunter Bosk, and enmeshed in a high-stake chase against an endless fleet of troopers. Ezra isn't willing to trust anyone, but he soon learns that surviving doesn't always mean just fending for himself. So, to kind of preface this, this story is an original story, so it won't be in any of the episodes of Star Wars Rebels. Um, it is a the first one, I guess, in a series of Star Wars Rebels junior novels. Some of them are going to be episode recaps, some of them are going to be original stories. And I think we're covering the ones that are going to be original stories, right, Aaron?
0: Correct. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of how we're going at it right now. We may adjust that, but for now, I think, yeah, just the, the ones that are original stories.
2: So the primary characters in this one are Ezra, um, who most people will know by this point as being one of the main crew of the Ghost and one of the main characters, if not... Maybe like the story's main character for Star Wars Rebels. Um, I know a lot of people seem to think it's gonna be Kanan or Hera, but I think, um, Ezra is supposed to be the center character. Um,
0: Do you get that? Probably
2: the, I that's what I get. Do you get that and, impression?
0: Because I know you watched the, the, uh, what was it, Sparker Rebellion, right?
2: Yeah. You've watched it too.
0: (laughs) Yep. So did you, like after watching that, did you kind of get the impression that Ezra is the main character?
2: I don't want to, we're going to be, we can just tell everybody now, we're going to be doing the written reviews for Jedi News for the episodes of Rebels. And I know a lot of people haven't seen it yet, um, the Spark of the Rebellion premiere, because it's only available on the Watch Disney XD app. So if anybody's listening to this and they haven't seen it, like I just don't want to, Okay. I don't want to say anything but I can say from like the shorts and everything that's come out and kind of just the publicity we've seen um, some of the shots of the crew all together Ezra always seems to be in the forefront and in the middle um, so that's kind of where I get this and also if this is one of the very first junior novels to be released and it's focusing on him I would kind of lean that direction as well. Yeah, that they're kind of focusing on Ezra as maybe the journey of Ezra, um, being kind of like the primary character here.
0: Yeah, it was kind of cool to get a new dawn before the the show came out to kind of get an idea of the characters of of Canaan and Hera, and then we get this junior novel about Ezra, where we can kind of get into his you know his mind a little bit and see what type of character he is even before the show comes out. So it was nice to, you know, at least from the literature side of things, to be able to to get little previews of these characters before we see them on TV.
2: Right. So, and like something we should probably talk about is we've been reviewing a bunch of different publishers now. Um, we started off with just Dark Horse and Del Rey, but we've now done some DK stuff and we're now doing Disney publishing. Um, I kind of was just curious on your end, how did you feel about the way that the like this book which comes from disney in comparison to everything else like how does it hold up i think just all aspects of it i mean like design design like font type if you will you know just all that kind of stuff
0: i think it very much looks like other junior novels that have come out in the past i know they've had you know they had like a jedi apprentice series um they had a boba fett series of junior novels that were you know done by a different publisher other than disney but it looks like, although the Disney logo is, you know, on the cover and, you know, in the bottom right corner of the cover, beyond that, there's really no... You don't look at it and pick it up and think, oh, this is a Disney book. You know, it just looks like a Star Wars Rebels book. So, um, yeah, just the design of it, the the size of the book, um, you, know, the amount, you know, the amount of pages, it's very much matches other junior novels that have come before it. So, yeah, I don't think... The fact that Disney is the one that put it out didn't really change anything, it doesn't seem like. And even just the fact that writer Wyndham wrote it, you know, he's written other junior novels, you know, before Disney took over. And so they even kept the same author, you know, that people are used to. So it's a good transition.
2: Yeah, you know, I haven't read um, the other, like, junior novels and stuff. So I guess for comparison's sake, you're probably, you know, more of the expert on that than I am. Um, a couple of things that I did notice is that the book was about 10 chapters long, or it was 10 chapters long. It's about 154 pages or so. Um, I thought that was a decent size. Um, the print size is pretty decent for a junior novel. Um, I've read other junior novels, just not um, any of the Star Wars ones. Um, I sort of felt like it was it was good as a good starting place for maybe some kids that are in their, I don't know, probably like eight, nine-year-old time frame to your, you know, middle school kids, Um, I think this would work well for. One thing that I did notice a lot, and you'll have to kind of fill me in here, is that they used a lot of species that are not very common names in the Star Wars universe from films or even from the Clone Wars. Um, I found myself having to Google a lot of the species that they were talking about and saying, oh, or, you know, or wikipedia them or whatever and saying oh yeah okay i know what that is i know what that is but when somebody like me is having to go and do that it makes me wonder for these kids you know i mean obviously we're in an age where kids are going to go i don't know what that word is i'll go look it up on my phone which is sitting right next to me you know but like what do you think about that
0: yeah i completely agree with you i had the same reaction as i was going through the book i was like i was like what is that species? And you know, it was, is names that looked somewhat familiar to me, but I couldn't visualize what it was. And he didn't actually get into a lot of descriptions. Some of the species he did describe kind of how they looked, but some, he just said the name of the species. And then I had no idea. Now I didn't do what you did and actually look them up. Um, because I was trying to, you know, get through the book quickly and didn't actually take the time to do that. I wish I did because it probably would have helped out a little bit on the visuals. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, some of that was throwing me off as well.
2: Part of me kind of thinks in books like this, it might be neat to do sort of what Del Rey does and do like a dramatis persona at the beginning, you know, but maybe with um, images instead of just words. Um, especially like even if it's just for species or whatever, because since these are directed more towards kids, they're not going to know the kind of things that we know. I mean, they may recognize like a species like a duck because, I mean, that's Sebulba, you know, and they right. mentioned that in the films. But when they're saying other stuff, like, I don't have it in front of me, but, you know, some of those species that were in there, and I'm just like, what, like, you know?
0: Like an ishy tib.
2: Yeah, like an ishy tib and some of those other, like, crazy <laughs> weird ones. Um, So, but I guess let's kind of jump into this. So Ezra as a character, um, I think this is kind of important to sort of establish now. How do you like him?
0: So far, I don't like him that much now um and I'm basing this on what I've seen not only from this book but also from the show but um yeah I just something about his character just hasn't really caught on with me I think maybe it's just the the youth of the character it's harder for me to relate with but I could definitely see uh younger viewers or younger readers um maybe kind of latching on to him a little bit more people that are more in that age range um people that would be you know younger than I guess he's supposed to be 15 14 14 so you people that are 14 and younger I could definitely see looking at him and thinking oh that's that's a cool character that I want to be like whereas people that are older would maybe be like oh that's the kind of person that would really annoy me (laughs) so yeah I don't know I he definitely isn't my favorite character of the crew and this book didn't change that
2: Yeah, you know, I feel like Ezra is going to be a lot like Ahsoka for a lot of people. That it's going to maybe take like a season of the show and maybe some books and stuff as he starts to grow. Um, Because we do know that, this isn't spoiler at all, we do know that he joins the crew of the Ghost. We do know that, you know, Kanan is going to train him in the ways of the Force. You know, this is all stuff that we already know. You know, maybe as he grows, it'll be a character that the older audience will gravitate towards. You know, I really wanted to kind of like him and sort of be an ambassador for him, sort of how I was with Ahsoka, because I liked Ahsoka from the beginning, even from the movie. I never had a problem with her in the Clone Wars movie. Um, and I know a lot of people did. So I really want to like him. Um, you know, this, it's kind of hard to talk about this book without incorporating anything from Spark of the Rebellion. <laughs> His character isn't awful. Um taylor gray does an amazing job with his voice <laughs> so i hear taylor gray's voice when i'm reading this book um which is good and so that tells me that taylor's done a really good job with the character and kind of shaping and molding him um i think he's gonna be a fun character as he gets older there are a lot of things about him that i can say you know as he grows and as he learns and it be as he becomes less selfish um That he's going to be a really amazing character. I just can't wait until we get there. Because right now, I'm just kind of like, okay, move along.
0: (laughs) I kind of agree with you there, what you're talking about the character growth. I fully expect to like him more as the show goes on. And there's probably, you know, it's probably part of the storytelling that they're starting him out as this, like you said, selfish character that's kind of out for himself, trying to make a buck, Um, you know, young, immature. And I think as the show goes on, they're going to develop his character kind of like they did with Ahsoka. I think I jumped on board with Ahsoka um, pretty much from the beginning. I liked her um, pretty early on. But with this character, it might take a little bit longer. So did you get the impression that Bosk was more the main character of the book than Ezra was? Or was that um, just, was that just me? Or was it kind of an equal thing?
2: I think it was more equal than it was one or the other. Um, but I think they did a really good job of Bosk and Ezra playing off of each other. I really like the way that Bosk spoke to him, you know, and I like how Bosk stayed in his bounty hunter character also while protecting him. And you got to see a different side of Bosk. And it's kind of funny that this book comes out after I just got a chance to talk to Mary Franklin because Mary Franklin's favorite Star Wars character is Bosk, and. From after this reading this book, I can kind of see why. You know, we don't get to see a lot of the him in the film, um, in any of the films. And we get a little bit more in the Trandoshan's arc of The Clone Wars. But there's just not, it's not like there's tons and tons of stuff out there about Bosk. Unless I'm missing something in some book somewhere that I haven't read. Um, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. But, um you know he they do a really good job of sort of kind of really turning Bosk into a real character and um i've always really liked Bosk in with the bounty hunters and stuff i have actually um tried to buy things that are Bosk when i see them as far as like collectibles go and stuff i just got his pop vinyl not too long ago so i think that he was very likable as a character and as far as, like, what I think about him being in Rebels or possibility being in Rebels, I would say definitely. Since they put him in this book, I, there's a big chance that we'll see Bosk, I think.
0: Yeah, I liked him in this book a lot, actually. the You're right. We haven't seen a lot about him in other material. Um, there there has been some Expanded Universe materials that go into Bosk a little bit. But I, I was really basing my kind of view on Bosk on anything that I had seen that's in, that's canon. Um, you know, so the film, his appearance in the clone wars, um, you know, is really what I was kind of basing it on. And it was nice to see that him fleshed out more in this book. And I liked his character a lot. I I liked how he was kind of being mean to Ezra, but you could tell that he liked Ezra, but it was like, I like you, but I'm not going to admit that I like you. And he knew Ezra was really helping him out and um it was a cool partnership and i really enjoyed the dynamic between the two characters all the way throughout the book so yeah bosk was he was fun to read about
2: no he definitely was i will
0: um, i will actually disagree with you on the fact that i don't think he's going to show up in the show i think this was a way that they could include bosk in a rebel story without having to put him in the actual show and i don't i think this would this might be all we get of bosk I don't I don't expect to see him in the show. And if you look at kind of the the cover of the book, the animation style that they use for Bosk, it looks if I'm if I'm not wrong, I think it's the exact way that he looked in the Clone Wars. I don't think there's any difference. So, I'm assuming that this model is basically the Clone Wars model, which if they were going to have him in the show, they probably would redo his model to look different. So, which doesn't necessarily well, take him out of the running to be in the show eventually, but I think I, if I had to guess, I'm gonna say he's not gonna be in the show.
2: Yeah, but you're basing that off of cover art from a book for maybe the first season of the show, which they finished.
0: Right, and I'm you not, know, I'm not fully based on that. That's just one. <laughs> that's just one thing I'm basing it on. But yeah, I'm I, saying
2: like, do you think he will ever show up in Rebels like the run of the entire show? Like that, we won't ever ever see him Mm. because I don't think we ever expected to see him in the Clone Wars. Um, and we saw that. I don't think we ever expected to see Chewie in the Clone Wars and we saw that. I don't think we ever expected to get amazing characters like Hondo and we, and we did. Yeah, I think,
0: I think this is actually good. I think we should remember this moment. And then (laughs) when, when he does show up in, in Rebels, you can say you told me so. But yeah, I think, I think, um, I'm gonna say no. You're obviously saying you think you will. So let's see. We'll see who's right.
2: And let me remind you about Mandalorians.
0: In Mandalorians. The yes.
2: <laughs> and we were Lots told we were told we would not see Mandalorians in the Clone Wars by Dave Filoni.
0: And now just, we have a Mando in the uh, I'm just, in Rebels too. Just
2: so. pointing it out. Um, now here's something that's kind of interesting. When you were reading this story, did you think for one second that there was Another character that they could have used instead of Bosk that might have been really fun,
0: like Boba Fett.
2: No, I mean like, uh, okay, uh, like I guess Hondo? Not.
0: I don't know. Like, yeah, Hondo. Okay. Like, the
2: whole time I was like, "Oh man, if Hondo was a bounty hunter, this is perfect." I feel like, like it was a great story for a Hondo. That would
0: have been a funny, funny story, and I think it would have gone a whole different direction. But I think for what they were going for with this one, I think Bosk. W- it just worked better with Bosk. I'm not
2: saying that it didn't, but like I yeah. did have that thought in my mind that this would be really great with Hondo, and I think that's just because I love Hondo.
0: Yeah, even that would have been cool if they even just had like some kind of cameo with him in it or something. But I, I really hope, I really hope that we get characters like that showing up in Clone or in Rebels. Once again, I'm not, I'm gonna say I don't think that's gonna happen. But if Hondo showed up in Rebels, I would love that.
2: I would love if Hondo showed up in Rebels. I would love it if Cad Bane showed up in oh, Rebels.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> I think <laughs> anyway. we're going to get Boba Fett. I do, I do believe I we'll do. get Boba Fett. I'm pretty
2: sure we'll get Boba Fett.
0: He's too much of a cash. You know, people, yeah, they're going to put Boba Fett. We're going to get Vader eventually. Um, I
2: don't know about that one. That Filoni I might te- have to argue with you. Filoni
0: on. was teasing it the other when? day. He said, it would be a shame if Vader never showed up in Rebels. I'm not sure the exact quote, but I'm pretty sure he was teasing it.
2: Um, well, we'll see. I mean, it would make sense. It would yeah. be weird, I guess, like just storytelling wise, if Vader was not in Rebels. What? Are, why are we talking about this? Okay.
0: Because we're excited for Rebels. Rabbit trail. <laughs>
2: um, so let's talk a little bit about the plot. Um, how did you feel the strength of the plot was?
0: I thought it started out a little slow for me, but um, I it was a it was a pretty strong story. I would say it was you know definitely geared toward a younger audience, obviously being a junior novel, which is expected. So I don't think the the plot was very deep, but it was enjoyable. Um you know, interesting. I wouldn't say there's really any twists, but there was some interesting turns in the story toward the end. Um yeah, I it was strong. It was strong considering that it was written for younger readers.
2: Um we've talked about this a little bit off um off the show. And about how you keep referring to it as kind of like a children's story or a junior novel and how I disagree with you. I guess kind of when you were talking about the detail of the plot and not being that deep and stuff, do you think that this story could not that it ever will be, but that it could be adapted to like a novel type of story?
0: I think they could take a very similar story, but I think you would have to add a little bit more complexity to it.
2: Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if yeah. it goes into a novel, like an actual, you know, 300, 400-page novel, it would, there would have to be more complexity to it. But yeah. my point is that. The plot of this particular story, while it may be written in sort of a watered down version for a junior novel, it is a plot that is good enough and well thought out enough that it could be turned into a full blown novel. That was my point.
0: Yeah, it's it was a good story. Yeah. There was there were a lot of elements to it that, you know Yeah, it was Yeah. <laughs> I guess to answer your question, yes, it could it, it could have been a more, uh, it could have been a full-length novel, uh, for sure, just based on the plot.
2: So there was a couple little things that, like, I wanted to highlight. I don't know if you have any kind of favorite moments, but I really love the moment where Bosk is trying to put together a disguise for himself because clearly a Trandoshan is a very um, noticeable species on Lethal because there aren't really Trandoshans there, and he goes into, like, wearing, like, a tarp type of thing as, like, a cape and then putting on goggles and pretending to be blind. Um, And just how convinced he is that his disguise is going to work. I mean, and it does. It does work. And he does play it off well. And Ezra definitely plays along with the whole blind thing very well, even though he was very doubtful of it when Bosk was putting his little disguise together. But, you know, it, it reminded me of a, from a Disney movie when Robin Hood puts on like a cloak and some glasses and has a stick and is trying to walk into um, Prince John's palace and is pretending to be blind.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that, although I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't because Robin Hood's one of my favorite Disney movies. But, yeah, that, that scene in the book stood out to me as well. I was, I was laughing at that and uh, how humorous it was. How, and especially, like, uh, Ezra's reactions to it. You know, he's kind of rolling his eyes, like, okay, if you think it's a good costume, you know, he's he's definitely not on board with it being a good costume. But, yeah, I thought it was funny.
2: Was there a moment for you that was kind of like a standout?
0: Um, I think the the... The fact that Boss kept getting shot, I found to be kind of funny. Um, He got he got two different times in the in the book. He ended up taking some major injuries, um, and then just him being kind of delirious after the first one and telling Ezra that you know you can have all the money in my lockbox, you know if you if you help me out kind of thing. Um, You know that was that was a standout you know moment for me that I thought was interesting, and then just how it all ends up where at the end, you know, Ezra gets everything that's in the box, but there's really not anything in there other than just <laughs> a few credits, which uh, Boss got the best of them there, which I think we knew was going to happen because obviously if Ezra became wealthy right before the storyline of Rebels, he probably never would have joined their crew. So yeah, we, we knew he wasn't going to make out rich after the story, but it was kind of funny how it all ended up.
2: Actually, I didn't know that. I didn't even go – I figured he would probably get, like, a couple thousand or something like that. Honestly, when that happened, I was like, uh, "Bosk just totally, like, scammed him in total bounty hunter style. It was actually kind of a surprise for me. I don't know if I should have known, but I didn't. Um, Something else that stood out to me is how in-depth we've gotten information about Stormtrooper helmets. And like all the stuff that goes into a stormtrooper helmet. Um, I think it's really cool because I guess I never really thought about that maybe there's technology in the helmets that can help them see through smoke and dust and debris or, you know. And obviously they have communicators. But I think in the films, don't we see them talking into their wrist?
0: Um, Probably at some point. I, I'm not really sure. I, I guess, guess I always I, just assumed they had some sort of built-in communication system in the helmet.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I should have assumed that too, but um, I just thought it was really cool to be able to get a little bit more of a look into what is actually inside of Stormtrooper helmet. Um,
0: and that he collects them, which is kind of cool too. He has his, yeah. own, his own collection of different of different helmets, and we get a, we get the scene at the end, um, which actually coincides with the the clip that they had released previously of Ezra, and we basically get that entire scene. Played out in the novel as well where he he steals the uh, TIE fighter helmet. Right.
2: I'm trying to remember the name of that clip. But, um, yeah, so, you know, as we progress through the story and it gets to the end portion, it actually just basically tells the story of um, the clip that one of the, I guess, interstitials that we've talked about. Um, it was
0: titled Property, Property of, of Ezra Bridger. Did yeah. you find it at the same time as me? Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right at the exact same time. Um, so this particular short um, was originally seen at Star Wars Weekends, and then we've seen it all over the internet since it came out. Um, but this is the interaction that Ezra has with the TIE fighter pilot um, that the ghost shoots down, and he goes to basically raid it and kind of just completely confuse this you know, TIE fighter pilot um who we now know is by the name of Baron Rudor um voiced by Greg Ellis so um it basically tells the story of that entire short which i thought was really cool that it ended by tying into something that we've already seen um they're using a lot of visuals by including things that we've seen before to kind of help with The story, so I think that's cool. Which kind of confuses me on why they don't have any pictures of any of the species of the crazy weird stuff that's in this book. But oh well.
0: Yeah, they. I guess they just assume that we'll just all Google it.
2: That's so weird.
0: It did. I. I mean. Yeah, we were talking about it before, but I completely agree with you. There was, I believe, there was an overuse of, you know, just random species names. Really obscure (laughs) species. Where it was kind of like, okay, am I, sp- am I meant... Because there are so many species out there that they could, you know, use like Ithorian or, you know, I don't know. There's plenty of other ones that are in the movies that would be recognizable. But yeah, it was almost like he was looking for very obscure species names to stump us.
2: Yeah, I don't know if he... I don't know. Who knows? I <laughs> would love to interview Ryder Windham and ask him.
0: We can ask him. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he'll be at New York Comic Con, but he was last year, so...
2: Well, if he's there, maybe we can ask him. Um, but I definitely like the way that Disney's going with this. I like the fact that they're having some stories that are not going to be episodes. So it's gonna, in a way, it's good because it's gonna help promote literacy. It's gonna help promote kids to read. Um, you know, I guess this is kind of like, sort of wrapping it up. But um, I guess final thoughts, and then I'll go into what I'm
0: thinking. I my final thoughts, I. I enjoyed it. It was a it was a fun read. It was fast. You know, there was you know it was a shorter, like you said. I think it was 150 pages, 10 chapters. So it's literally you can sit down, you know, in just a, in an evening and read through the whole thing. Um, the story moved along really well. I loved you know just kind of them using Bosk in this way. It was kind of the most that I've ever um, you know seen of Bosk in this way. So that was fun. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend it. It's it's more geared towards younger readers, but I think even you know people like us um, would enjoy it as well.
2: Yep, and I'm right on there. I'm on par with you there. Um, I will forever stray away from saying that it is a kid's story. I won't say that ever. So, I never um, said it was a
0: kid story. I said it was for younger readers. I okay,
2: was... <laughs> still. I won't say that. Um, and the main reason I have against saying stuff like that is because I don't like to classify stuff as being for just a certain age audience. Um, I just don't like doing that. So, with that in mind, um I think that it was a really clever use of clever use of a bounty hunter. Um it was a good introduction to Ezra. It was a good introduction to rebels, um, and I think that it really kind of sh- helped shape more of the Empire than anything else, and the way that the Empire is working at this point in time. Um, so I think that's really good. And yeah, overall, I think it's it's definitely worth like the six ninety nine or seven ninety nine that the book is, if you go to you know the actual bookstore or like five bucks or whatever for an ebook version. So I would highly encourage people to go out and get it. Um, but I wanted to ask you really quick. Did you have any trouble finding it in your bookstore? I did not. Okay. I went oh, so. straight to
0: the, the, the closest bookstore, which is not very far away. Went in there. I, I mean, I didn't go on a search for it on my own. I just asked the person at the front desk and if they had it, and he, he went and grabbed it. Yeah, they had it in stock.
2: Okay. So you did not do what I did. What did you um, do? Well, I... This is kind of an insight into the world of Teresa. When I go looking for a book, I do not go and just immediately ask the people at Barnes & Noble or wherever if they have a book. Because I like to go and see where they decide to place them and how they decide to merchandise them and see where they're at. So I just went straight to the kids' section at Barnes & Noble because I knew that's where it was going to be. I did look around for one of their featured tables to see if they had a Rebels featured table, and they did not yet um but they usually do like they'll have like star wars featured table or something like that but they didn't have one um, when i went and picked it up what they did have however in the children's section was an entire end cap devoted to star wars rebels and i did take a picture or not just star wars rebels but to star wars i took a picture of it and it's actually up on our facebook page um and it was it had some kind of saying about you know like Star Wars and reading and you know Trying to encourage people or kids To read through Star Wars so I thought That was really cool um They did have it placed in the area where the rest Of the junior novels are but they had it Um in two different sections That in cap and then they had it on another Sort of like Front and center display Section um along With some other stuff so um I think there was some Harry Potter stuff there sort of Main like franchise books Um That they had all together in one spot. So overall I was pretty impressed. With the way that Barnes and Noble. Decided to merchandise those books. And I'm just hoping that they. Continue to do that. With the Star Wars stuff. That's coming out for kids. And so hopefully kids will use Star Wars. To get into reading. And um, so yeah. Well I guess that about. Wraps this one up. So on our next episode. We are going to be reviewing the much anticipated a new dawn and i think you and i are pretty excited to review that i am
0: yes i'm very excited to review that and hopefully we can get a cool guest on to review it with us
2: have you finished it
0: i have finished it
2: Ah, okay good last time we talked you hadn't um so everybody you can start reading it now so you can listen to our next episode and if you're just jumping into a new dawn um Head on over to Goodreads, look for Star Wars Bookworms. We have a Goodreads group there and you can jump in on the conversations. Just be aware that a lot of the people that are in there or comments that have been made are from um, people who have finished the book. So I would just look at um, the ones that seem less... Spoilery. Or if you have any questions, you can always email us or reach out to us on social media. So, our Twitter is at SW Bookworms. You can email us at starwarsbookworms at gmail.com. And as I've said before, if you send us an email with any of your thoughts, um, no matter what they are, we will read it on the show. Um, and seriously, like, if you've read any of these comics or any of these books, or if you're interested in anything, just kind of general questions about where to start reading or whatever. Just shoot us an email. Um, You can like us over on Facebook. And Aaron does a really good job of putting the latest updates and stuff from Star Wars books and news and comics news and stuff on our Facebook page. And then leave us a review on iTunes. Five star reviews. So, I mean, like, here's one of the things is that there are a lot of Star Wars podcasts out there. And there's amazing Star Wars podcasts out there. And we have a lot of really good friends. But... Book and comic podcasts are very niche. And so you guys that are our audience that are listening to this, you are how we are going to get seen by other people. And you are basically our backbone. So we need you guys to go out and leave us a review um, and interact with us on social media and stuff like that. Because otherwise, we will stay the same size that we are right now. And um, we have goals. (laughs) (laughs) We do. We have big goals, big hopes big dreams so help us get there um it would be super super
0: awesome if you're interested in following us on twitter you can find Teresa on twitter and on instagram at ice gold penguin
2: and if you want to find aaron he's at av goins so i guess until next time keep on reading and may the force be with you